0: Welcome back to Sunday Evenings. There has, of course, been an epic battle fought out this weekend in Queensland. It's been a gripping contest, and it looks like victory is about to be claimed. And It looks like uh, we they can't claim it quite yet, but the good guys have won. I speak, of course, not of that state election, but the test up there at the Gabba, the first test at the Gabba. And uh, Australia has finished the day at none for 114 with Bancroft and Water both getting their 50s. They got a front-up in the morning with only 80-odd runs to get to claim victory in the first test. Fantastic stuff. Let's get on to that other big contest in Queensland, though the state election we're counting is continuing, and we won't know know the detailed results for a few days yet. And I'm joined on the line now by the former Labor Premier of Queensland, Peter Beattie, to talk us through it. Thanks for joining us, Peter. That's a pleasure,
1: Chris. You're sure you sure don't want to talk
0: about the cricket. Oh, it's just fantastic, isn't it? You guys have got that right up there this weekend for us.
1: Oh, absolutely! Well, you know the gab is such a great ground, and everyone, and the weather has been fantastic. There's a bit of rain early on, but it's been a great day today. So, what a fantastic start to the Test! You know, what? I'm excited about this. It's because if we beat them in the Ashes, which I hopefully we will the English will want revenge for the Commonwealth Games, which just means they'll turn up in groups and it'll give a whole real shot in the arm at the Commonwealth Games. So I've got a devious plot here. I want <laughs>
0: Australia to give behind hiding. Peter Beattie, there you go, working in <laughs> your plug for the Commonwealth Games early. Well done. Now, of course, uh, as a Labor man, as a former Labor Premier, you'll be very pleased with what the likely outcome of the state election is as well, with Anastasia Palaszczuk looking like she could actually cling on to a majority government in her own right. Now, I don't like normally to give away private conversations or private messages but i'll perhaps just chance my arm this time because i had a text exchange with you yesterday long before the polls closed and i asked you what you thought would the the outcome would be and and you were tipping a very narrow labor win why did you think that would be the case and why do you think it's uh, it's going to turn out that way
1: Well you're right Chris because you asked me the numbers and what I thought and that's exactly what it'll be. It'll be about 48 or 49. Uh, For your Sydney listeners the majority is 47 to govern out of 93 seats in the state parliament because there's no other house here in Queensland. Basically Chris what's going on in politics is that there's a large amount of dissolution with both major parties and you've written about this in the Australian so I don't need to tell you about it and um I just felt that in incumbent government, it's really difficult to get a significant majority. I just think there's this anti-incumbency, anti-major parties. And we saw One Nation in a number of parts of the state, particularly in regional Queensland, although also outside the ring of uh, inner Brisbane, the outer suburbs, getting, uh, you know, sometimes in the 15, uh, even a little bit higher percentage in those areas. Overall, I got about 13%. So the reason I said to you on the text yesterday that I thought Labor would get back narrowly is because I think the Labor Party ran a better campaign. I think Tim Nichols in the last he, he had two good weeks, first two weeks in the campaign, Tim Nichols did well. The last two weeks, I think they lost their way a little bit, and the, and the Labor Party and Anastasia Palaszczuk campaigned better than he did. So they finished on strongly. That's why I thought in the end Labor would just get their nose over the line, and I think that's what they'll get. I noticed some. Um, Uh, Some of the, the smart pundits are predicting about 48 or 49 seats.
0: Well, Peter Beattie, you've seen all this before. Of course, when you led the Labor Party in Queensland, you saw the, re- the the first incarnation of One Nation, where they rose up and actually took close to, I think, a dozen seats in the state Eleven. parliament up there, 11 seats. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, so you saw them have that sort of impact where they won 11 seats in the Queensland parliament. You've seen them die off and come back this time, and there's a lot of talk about their failure to get those lower house those seats in the parliament this time they may get one but the point is isn't it peter Beattie, that they've had a profound influence on the outcome here it's the preferences the it's the first preferences mm. that they've mm. taken and the way they've distributed those the one nation voters particularly mm. outside of brisbane there's effectively kept the lnp down to the numbers where they can't have any hope of getting a majority
1: that's absolutely right and indeed uh The decision by One Nation to preference against sitting members, most sitting members, there were, uh, I think, two exceptions, but against most sitting members meant that One Nation preferences determined which seats were won by the LNP and which seats were won by Labor. In fact, there were Labor seats won on on One Nation preferences as well as LNP seats. So they certainly had a profound influence. Their problem is this, though. Uh, Chris, and I think you're right, they have a chance of getting one seat and one only. They didn't repeat their 1998 exercise or result when they got 11. And that's because I think it's a question of leadership. Their leader um, lost his seat, Steve Dixon, quite quite a reasonable person, by the way. Uh, He was a former LNP minister. He lost his seat because the LNP preferenced against him. And uh, so on preferences, he was gone. And there was an a likely successor was a guy called Jim Savage who ran in Lockyer. A lot of expected, a lot of people expected him to win, and he didn't. The problem is Pauline Hanson is a senator, and they need someone at a state, problem, a state level to provide leadership. And Chris, I think long term, what's happening in politics in Australia, and this will be reflected—sorry, in Queensland—and this will be reflected federally. There's quite a disillusionment with the conservative vote. I don't think there's a lot of excitement about the federal government. The problem is they don't know quite where to go. One Nation doesn't have a state leader. Pauline Hanson excites to a certain level, but she's been around for a while. Their real challenge is to get young, new, energetic leadership. If they do that, then they will grow as a formidable political force. If they don't, I think you'll find those conservative Queenslanders, uh, they will be looking for Corey, Corey Bernardi or someone like that to give them leadership. The real difference here, though, Chris, if I can just finish on this point, The real difference here was everybody, not everybody, but overwhelmingly people liked Anastasia Palaszczuk, she was seen as a nice person, which she is, and that sort of warmth got her through. People felt comfortable enough with her. That's why she got across the line. Had she not been Labor leader, then I'm not quite sure the Labor Party would have got there. This is her win.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very insightful uh, comment. I think she's campaigned a lot better than people expected, and uh, people have warmed to her the longer she was on the campaign trail. I need to ask you, though, finally, about the federal implications. You talk about this fracturing of the conservative vote that is happening mainly due to One Nation in Queensland, but it's happening uh, through other avenues in the rest of the country. I notice you don't demonise One Nation in the way that some people on the left of politics do. What are the implications going to be out of this election result for Malcolm Turnbull in Canberra, and how can the federal coalition best combat this?
1: Uh, two quick things. One, I don't demonise them because I obviously get around the state a lot in the number of roles I have, and there's just ordinary Queenslanders who aren't happy with the major political parties. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, and this happens a bit in Sydney and Melbourne, when I run into people, they say, oh, One Nation people, are am racist, and all the rest of it. Overwhelmingly, that's not the case. I mean, all parties have got a degree of racism. Gee, yep. I mean, I wish, wish it didn't exist, but it's not unique to One Nation. They're just people who are disillusioned, worry about their jobs, and they want the major political parties to come up with answers. That's the real problem. So, what is it going me be? Kind of the second question, Chris. What does it mean for Malcolm Turnbull? The reality is that Malcolm doesn't cut much ice in Queensland. He's not seen as somebody who Queenslanders relate to. Now, in my political life, I worked with Bob Hawke. Queenslanders loved him. Paul Keating, they didn't, and you saw that in the federal election result. John Howard, they loved him. So, the last two leaders I've seen from both sides were Bob Hawke and John Howard, both of whom Queensland has embraced.
0: But you can't what run the country happening? if you can't hold Queensland.
1: Well, that's exactly right, and you know that. I mean, the blunt reality is this. When I was in office, people in Queensland voted for me, then they voted for John Howard. Yep. The reality is Queensland has been the solid conservative base of conservative governments in Australia, particularly long John Howard, for a long time, before that, Bob Hawke. So the reality is, if the Conservatives, that if the Liberal and National Party can't win Queensland, they can lose the election here. Now, based on this result, if you have a look, and I know it was a state election, I'm not silly, but if you look at where One Nation got its its vote, therefore you, if you equate that to disillusionment with existing parties, the reality is the Conservatives split will cost, I think, the, uh, the Malcolm Turnbull government somewhere between five and eight seats, which means it's all over Red Rover. So, Unless Malcolm Turnbull can re-engage with Queenslanders, I think he simply doesn't have a future as Prime Minister, and I think that's going to be really difficult at this stage. That's why you'll find a lot of Queenslanders that will run around and they will look for other alternatives as Prime Minister. Peter Dutton, you know, I know the Smarties in Sydney and Melbourne dislike Peter Dutton, and, you know, he's a controversial figure, but Peter Dutton's pretty well regarded by a lot of Queenslanders. You know, obviously not from my side of politics, I'm not being silly, but from the conservative side of politics I'm talking about now before anyone on my side gets too excited. So, you know, I just think, Chris, you know, if there was a change, then there might be a re-engagement with Queensland. But right at the moment, I think Queensland would vote for Bill Shorten. If there's no change, Bill Shorten will be Prime Minister. There's nothing more certain than, than the sun coming up tomorrow morning.
0: Ominous words indeed, Peter Beattie. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Pleasure, ple- it's a pleasure, Chris. All of this, mate.
0: Cheers. That was the former Queensland Peter, uh, former Queensland, former. I'll just start all that again. That was the former Queensland Premier Peter Beattie. You can, of course, see him on the Sky News eight o'clock tomorrow night with when he's joined by the former Queensland LNP Premier Campbell Newman. Beattie and Newman on Channel Sky News uh, tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Stick with us here on Two GB and Four BC. Back in a moment with Sunday evenings.